Hey, welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Roby. This is Rebecca, and we are in a series on mental health. And in this episode, we're talking about loneliness, mm. which is one of those things that can strike anyone. And yet I think it's something that is a hard thing to admit. Mm -hmm. And so many people, and maybe even hard to recognize because maybe we're like, I have people all around me all the time. Right. And so, um, but I think it's an important one for yeah. us to understand. And so while the idea of loneliness might be seem obvious, I think let's just start right off the bat in this episode with a definition of what we mean by loneliness. So what, how would you define it? So I don't know how I personally would define it, but I did see an article that defined it this way. And I just thought for the purposes of today, hmm. it was really well put. Uh, one article said like this, the gap between social connections you would like to have and then those that you experience. Okay, so when I when I'm I have social connections, all of us have social connections. Few people are living like on a deserted island, right? And uh, we have those, but there it's not all that we want, correct? And so that would be the definition of yeah, loneliness. just that gap between really what what you need and what you're experiencing. So what we're going to do is talk about the uh, really some of the causes, and we're going to look at different aspects of causes we're looking through this mental health series holistically so we're looking spiritually we're looking biologically mm -hmm. we're looking uh, community environmentally and so we're looking at some of those from different angles but let's maybe start with uh, some of the causes for loneliness so some of just the environmental causes the social causes for for loneliness we're going to park for just a minute on social media um, social media is a wonderful tool I think it's one of those tools that we have in our day and age we didn't have when we were growing up. And so it's um, not necessarily inherently evil, but it's an important tool to know how to wield and use to your advantage. Um, some of the research out there is showing um, that social media is associated with higher levels of psychological distress as opposed to um, some of the connections that we're wanting to maybe get from social media. There was a study done, actually a couple studies done, one in 2015, one in 2017, that really looked at, well, what is social media? What's out there? Why is it causing so much distress? Um, and so the research showed that over half of the content that's typically out there is fear-based or it has a negative spin on it. Um, one other study showed that the information out there, about 60% of it was considered misleading. So the content out there, by and large, over half of it, it's fear-inducing, it's negative, it's misleading, it's going to sprinkle in some wow. untruthful details in the mix of maybe reporting some facts. And so the, re the information out there is just not super reliable. What's, what's interesting about that is, and those studies are now, you know, five plus years old. Right. I, I mean, I think instinctually in the last few years, I think probably all of those numbers are up. I mean, who wouldn't think that it's more negative, more misleading, more fear inducing on social media now than it was uh, three, four years ago. Right. So, wow, that's interesting. So there's another um, article that really also shed some light on this and how then how then is that content affecting us on a relational level? Like, why should that impact my interpersonal relationships? So um, the article took it another step further and looked across the lifespan and said, OK, look at these age groups that we have across the age groups. 
which are the most loneliest, loneliest. And typically when I've read some of those studies before mm. or heard of them, typically the age category that tends to be most lonely, at least in our society, is the over 55, over 65 age group. There's just typically a lot of loss um, in that age group. There's a lot of health issues that tend to represent themselves in that age group, which can force that isolation feeling due to mm. health limitations, due to physical limitations. Um, so those that age group, it tends to be most lonely. Well, in this article, it pegged the most loneliest age group was between the ages of 18 to 24. And wow. the argument is social media is feeding into that. It's not the only cause, but it's somewhat feeding into that. So I think it's interesting to hear that about social media causing greater loneliness and distress. And I think it's two emotions I have, and I would imagine if you're uh, listening to this podcast, you might have it too. On one hand, you're like, yeah, that's true. I just know that that is true. On the other hand, isn't that bizarre that it's <laughs> something that it's an innovation? And again, there's good parts and bad parts to the innovation, but we just have to approach it and square up to it, take the good and leave out the bad. But it's isn't it fascinating that an innovation that is designed to help us socially connect more actually mm. produces greater loneliness. And so we've got to we've got to manage that and go into that with our with our eyes wide open. Absolutely. It's it's important to know it as using it as a tool and taking the good and kind of bringing out the bad of it. So so well, let's talk a little bit about what is actually going on. Um, I talk about it from a brain perspective. What's going on in your brain mm. and why would that matter? So <clears throat> typically in our brains, that fear circuit we've talked about um, multiple times throughout the podcast, our amygdala is constantly scanning our environment. It, you can't always turn it off necessarily, but there are rest times that our brains just naturally need that we used to get in like maybe our commute. Maybe your commute's not very <laughs> relaxing, so you wouldn't get it there, but maybe you can check out for a minute if you had um, a portion of your day where you just didn't have to think real hard or when you come home, it's just more relaxing. Well, what's what we're finding is instead of just having kind of those moments where our brain can just kind mm. of be for a minute, we're filling it with our phones. We're looking at social media, things like that. We're filling it during the times where we're supposed to have that downtime, we're now keeping it upregulated. It's getting that fear-inducing mm -hmm. content, so we're never really letting it land the plane. So what en ends up happening is what you end up using more, reinforcing through repetition and exposure, you end up strengthening. So our fear circuits end up getting overdeveloped. We end up getting a, a concentrated, dense number of those neurons that we've talked about are, are just regularly going to that fear circuit part of our brain and the emotional circuits because they're very closely tied and those are getting overdeveloped. So on the flip side, what's getting underdeveloped is that good part of our frontal lobe, which is responsible for our reasoning circuits, um, just being able to test the validity of our thoughts. And so there's one, one researcher says we have maybe nine functions socially in our frontal lobe. Mm. There's lots of functions, but for the purposes of today, let's just say there's nine. And I'll, I'll hit just a couple to explain how when we have an underdeveloped frontal lobe, why that would inter impact our interpersonal relationships. 
So our frontal lobe is responsible thing, for things like attuned communication, being able to keep up with the pace of what someone is saying and understanding where they're at and maybe where they're going. Um, having a sense of response flexibility, being proactive, not reactive. When we're operating out of the amygdala part of our brain, we're going to be very reactive um, quickly. We might say things that we wouldn't have otherwise said or have a stronger emotional response. Again, that emotional circuit is going to be taking the lead as opposed to this good frontal lobe taking the lead. Um, also, we're, we're responsible for empathy and insight in that part of our front front brains. And so when that is underdeveloped, we lose some of the skills that we need to bring to the table for some of our interpersonal relationships. We need the empathy. We need the good listening mm. skills. We need the good rationale um, skills, the good reasoning circuits to be turned on. And those are becoming underdeveloped when we're overemphasizing our fear circuits and our emotional circuits with the content we give it. There's so many things in there that it's, it's, easy to see how that plays out you know you know you talk about having that fear part of the brain activated and social media creating a space where you can't then retreat from that i think about the student in high school that could usually go home and avoid the bully well now the bully mm -hmm. is following them on social media all afternoon and evening and night and early into the morning the bully's always there the fear circuit is the fear part of the brain is yeah. always going. And you also think about how people have an ability to say things on social media. They would never say to someone's mm. face, but they're still saying it to the person. Yeah. And if so much on social media is inducing fear and anger and all that amygdala part of the brain, you can right. see why they're reacting uh, like that. You know, I think there's another um, part that's, a, I think, a key environmental factor right. for loneliness. But I think another key part of of loneliness is is shame. And I think mm. this would be more less of an environmental factor, but more of a <laughs> spiritual factor. And this goes all the way back to Genesis three when mm. uh, the the reflex of Adam and Eve and it's very explicit. They were naked and unashamed. And then the moment they ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat, the moment they disobeyed and sinned, they not only covered themselves, but they hid. They no longer felt like they could stand before God. Mm. So they not only hid themselves from each other by making mm. clothes, but they hid from God. And I think that idea of shame of I, I can't, I, I can't be completely vulnerable. I can't mm. share my whole self. I can't let people in and see my imperfections, whether spiritual imperfections or or maybe just in in life, you know, like I, I've got, I, I can't let them in to see the messy parts of my life, the things that I'm not satisfied with mm. about my life, the imperfections in my life. We, we, um, we, we can keep people out. And that's a, a spiritual factor that lack of vulnerability to have a vulnerability because of shame yeah. that can be a, a major cause for loneliness as well absolutely and again i think the enemy would just wield that weapon as often as he can because it is so effective and it breaks community like you said with god and with others and i think loneliness and isolation it kind of becomes a self-reinforcing um you know feedback loop you know when you're lonely you're less likely to reach out. Well, when you, when you don't reach out, it only reinforces your loneliness. So we kind of see that kind of get reinforced regularly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about then, so those are some causes. Let's talk about uh, some interventions. We've talked about an environmental cause in social media, and we've talked about a spiritual cause in shame. Let's talk about the interventions, and let's just keep going with on the spiritual side. 
this is one of those places where the gospel is mm -hmm. absolutely vital. And it sounds like that's something a pastor should say <laughs> on a church podcast, but just hang with me here and appreciate why this is absolutely so critical. The gospel is not just for brand new Christians. The gospel is for the most seasoned, long-term Christian to be washing over their 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 minds mm. and their bodies and to be preaching to themselves over and over and over. There is no condemnation for mm. those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know the gospel, if you believe the gospel, if you stand firm on the rock, which is Jesus, if you stand firm on what he accomplished for you, the gospel says, I don't have it all together. That is not a surprise. There's no one on planet earth that thinks I have it together. And so I shouldn't think I have it together either. The gospel says I don't have it all together. I need a savior. Mm -hmm. And so if my life is built on the gospel and I know that, and I know that the best part about me is not what I'm achieving. The best part about me is not uh, how I'm performing at work or mm. how it's not about anything about me. The best part about me is what God has declared about me. I am a child of God, yes. uh, an heir, a new creation. If I know that, then we who know the gospel should have the greatest freedom mm. to have honest, vulnerable relationships. And so Christian, if you're feeling like you can't let people into the mess, and of course we do that wisely as we build trust in relationships. If you're feeling like you can't bring and allow other people, you've got to keep up a facade. What you need to do is preach the gospel to yourself and start letting people in. Yeah. They are not under the assumption that you have got it all together because nobody does. And so allow that humbling vulnerability into your life because it's a demonstration of the gospel. Amen. That's such a great truth and a great word. We need spoken mm -hmm. over ourselves every day. And that's why yes. we have to preach it to ourselves every day. So um, the, the, the helpful thing with bringing that into community, you know, we've got, we can do that in our personal relationship with the Lord, but being able to bring that then to yes. a place of community only amplifies that truth. It's kind of like this. Uh, um, I heard this story once and, and I thought this was a really well put illustration to explain the gravitational force of actual community. Mm. If you had a red wagon coming at you at two miles per hour, kind of one of those red rider wagons that, that our kids would, you know, play in or ride in, or maybe you'd carry newspapers in. It's like that little wooden red wickety wagon that's, you know, coming towards you. If that was going at you at the speed of two miles per hour, you could easily just put your foot out and, and stop it pretty regularly, pretty easily. But if a car was heading towards you at a two mile per hour speed, you wouldn't be able to stop that with just your foot. You would have to either get out of the way or you would need a force much larger to be able to mm. stop the impact of even a two mile per hour um, vehicle moving at that pace because, and that's, that's kind of like community. When we join up in community, we're like that machine moving at maybe a slow pace, but we're with linked arms with mm -hmm. other people that are like-minded with, with the mind of Christ saying, not on our watch, are we going to let yeah. the enemy wield his, um, his, his weapons of shame mm -hmm. and isolation and loneliness to keep us disintegrated from each other, to keep us disconnected from each other. And so that's what a lot of what this community 
can do and what we're, we're calling and beckoning our, ourselves to do and what scripture tells us to do. Absolutely. I love that. There's, there is strength in numbers. That is something that the scripture talks about and is so important. Um, being invulnerable and presenting as if you've got it all together is not a sign of spiritual maturity, but actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. And so being honest and vulnerable um, is in, in the right space in an appropriate way in trusted relationships is a sign of maturity. But let's also hit, before we wrap up this podcast episode, let's also hit some social environmental interventions when it comes to loneliness. Yeah. So an author named by the name of Joseph Myers kind of put these circles, the spheres of community um, down on paper. And I just thought it was a really interesting way to have this discussion. So he talks about, um, there's like a public space, which is around 150 people that we have the ability to interact in a public space. That's going to be things like church, school, some of those just community events. And we need that space. Mm -hmm. It doesn't maybe feel very deep, but that's not supposed to be very deep. It's just supposed to be that public space that we can interact with people um, and enjoy that kind of mass of effect of, of being a part of mm. something greater than ourselves. Um, next is a social space, and that's going to be about 50 people or less. And that's going to be your casual settings, like your, your neighborhood, uh, maybe some small groups that you're a part of, whether they're a task group or um, a therapeutic group. Um, you know, they might be the types of people that you might cook a meal for. Um, you know their names, you have an, more than just a little bit of an acquaintance with them, but they're going to be that social space for you. The personal space is a little bit more what we think of when we think about community. It's that either four to eight or two to five. I've heard different um, numbers on this particular space. And it all kind of depends on what your personality can handle. Some people are going to be more smaller group um, minded and some people are going to be able to handle a larger number of people to kind of do life with. Mm. These are the people that are just naturally in your space that you cross paths with, um, that you might do life with. You might be in that same stage of life, like a coworker or a neighbor or another mom. If you're a young mom, you stay at home. Um, they're kind of the people that you hang out with. You maybe give them refrigerator rights when you have them over. You're like, mm -hmm. go, go get yourself something from the refrigerator. Help yourself. Get something mm -hmm. to drink. You, know, you want that level of familiarity and comfort. Um, Jeannie Allen, one of um, uh, speakers and authors, says to really have someone in this space, you almost need to log about 200 hours of face-to-face of -face mm -hmm. time with them. And so I thought that was an interesting number to say, okay, who are the people that are naturally contributing mm -hmm. to that 200 hours for you. Right. And those might be the people that the Lord has brought to be a part of that personal space. The last is that intimate space. And that's really just meant for that one, two, maybe three people in your life that know you deeply, deeply well. That's going to be something like a spouse or a friend that's very trusted mm -hmm. or even a counselor or a therapist. Mm -hmm. You're going to invite only a few select people into that space that truly, truly want to get to know you and can't have the capacity to get to know you on that level and vice versa. And all of these people, you know, they, they're not necessarily supposed to be in the same room at the same time. The people in your personal space, that's a one-to-one -one relationship. The people in your, um, that, that intimate space is that one-to-one. -one. Your personal space, that may include one or two or three people at the same time, but it might not. It might just be, those are the random people in your space, but you might be interacting with them on a one-to-one -one basis, um, not always in that group setting. So that's a little bit about the spheres of community that we're talking about here. I think that's helpful. I think it's helpful to see that from a well-rounded um, place. And, and I think the intervention here would be then be intentional yeah. 
in those categories. And as we wrap up, I'd love to just share kind of a little bit behind the curtain, my thoughts just as a pastor on this, because um, I, we as a, as a church staff and church leaders try to create the opportunities for relationships, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, hanging out after a church service or um, uh, ministries for middle school or for young adults or uh, other opportunities like small groups and things like that. And, and there, it, it's challenging because there are times that I, I've spoken with people and they're like, look, we just, we, we, we wish the church would do more for relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and of course we could have an endless list of events and activities that, you know, we have to steward if those, if that's right for, for us. But frankly, at some point, it's on the person attending to have a value for relationships. It's on the Christian that has a value for those intimate Christian relationships to take ownership and say, I am going to take that step. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, (laughs) in the end, we can't just line everyone up and assign them friends. I mean, it, it is, it does take effort on the person attending. And so there are times where Christians are dissatisfied with where their relationships are. They're dissatisfied they're with that gap that you were sure, talking about. Sure. And they're looking to the church to fix it. Mm. And there's an endless number of different ways that churches can provide that. And some churches do that better than others. And certainly our church isn't perfect and there's no church that's perfect. But in the end, Christian, take a step mm. and log those hours. You're not gonna find that intimate friend by going trying out a small group two or three times you need if it's 200 hours to find that friend that's being in a small group with them for two years and hanging out with them for multiple hours a month in between that so take that step take that initiative have the courage work through the process and when you find those key friends learn to repair when there's Mm -hmm. rifts and to walk through conflict uh, that's something that only you under the direction of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit can walk through to find those friendships yeah. because that's what God wants. God wants us to be connected like a body and no better place to find those friendships than at church. It just takes some courage to take a step. Well, I hope this has been a, a benefit to you today and we will see you next time on the City Rev Life Podcast. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.